Sunday service at the Lighthouse Digital Church. Every Sunday being here is a blessing and I'm so blessed to be taking the recap for last Sunday's message. You know, we continued a message we began at the start of October, Seven Reasons Why Confessions Work. Oh, by the way, before I continue, if you haven't, please join in the Confess to Possess Challenge. I'm telling you, you are not going to regret it. It has been so inspiring. Last Sunday, Pastor David said something that made me laugh. And until he said it, I've never even considered myself guilty of doing something like that. He said, and I'm paraphrasing here, that many times a lot of Christians regard God to be a killjoy. I know, it's very funny, right? But when you sit down and think about it, a lot of times, oh, let me paint this scenario. You know how you listen to a powerful message like last Sundays and then you have this attitude, oh my God, I'm gonna go to a place of prayer. I'm gonna go ask for what I want. I'm gonna receive it and faith because the God of the universe is my dad. He wants me to have these things. He has placed these things here for me to possess, you know, and right after prayer, you start to question and doubt if God really meant what he said, if God really wants you to have these things and if God is you know looking out for you like that you know what that means you think that God is a killjoy who likes to play tricks with you who likes to mess around with his children but that couldn't be further from the truth God means exactly what he says when he says that we should ask and we should receive we will ask and we will receive because he has already given us the answer when he said that when we pray for whatsoever we want we should believe that we should we should believe that we have received it and we're gonna get it you know what that should do to us as Christians and this is what we should take away from last Sunday's message is that we should develop an attitude of royalty you know royal people make decrees and they get what they want so we should come to a place where we decree exactly what we want to see happen to us and we get it because we are special we're precious we are God's most favorite people in all generations of humans have walked here on the earth God's most favorite people are the ones walking in new creation realities you know why Jesus died for us we are wrapped in the blood of Jesus and when God sees us he sees his son Jesus Christ and we know for a fact that God will never deny Jesus anything Jesus is our yes and because Jesus is our yes we confess exactly what we yes we get it get it so let us head over to the main service and enjoy the rest of the message. Bye-bye. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
Praise God forevermore. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord my Father. There is no shadow of turning with you. Thou changest not, thy compassion they fail not. As thou hast been, thy forever will be. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I ever needed, your hands have provided. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Heavenly Father, that is our song this morning. The song that declares your unconquerable faithfulness, your unlimited faithfulness, your unsurpassing faithfulness upon our lives. This morning, O oh Lord, as we share together as a family, we ask Almighty God that our hearts will be touched by your words, that no one will live here without having an impartation with the Holy Ghost. Wonderful Holy Spirit, teach us afresh. Open up our eyes that we may see the beauty of what you have already given us in Christ. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Lord, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, may every eye be opened. May every ear be opened. May every, every heart be perceptive today. In the name of Jesus, let your name be glorified and your people be edified. In Jesus' name, we pray. Hallelujah. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. Uh, it's been uh, an awesome journey that we have been going through with the power of your confession. We have been going through a couple of a number of topics this past couple of weeks that's talking about the seven reasons why confessions work. And the first week we spoke about the fact that confessions work because that is the way, is a kingdom principle. That's the way you sow the words of God in your heart. Second reason why we gave why confessions work is because confessions make faith to rise up in your heart. The third reason why we gave that why confessions work is because confessions help you to renew your mind to the truth of what God has already given you. And the fourth reason we spoke about was Father, confessions keep the answers before you. Confessions keep confessions keep the answers before you, which means confession, when you confess the word of God, it's like a sat nav that set the answers before you. Alright. So so today I'm going to be talking about the fifth topic, the fifth reason why confessions work, which is Confession changes your heart. Confession of the word of God changes your heart. Now, there's a paradigm around the way the heart works that's very important to understand. You see, the heart is the real you. The heart is the spirit of man, the spirit of God, the spirit of man and the heart of man kind of intertwine. Actually, in the construct of the spirit, soul and body, there is a, an over, overlay between the spirit and the heart which means the spirit of god speaks through your heart and your heart you know goes through your mind you know and the mind goes through your body you know that kind of construct but when the bible talks about the heart it's talking about the real you so when we became born again what really happened well the bible describes the fact that when we became born again the spirit of jesus came into our spirit the spirit of jesus came into our spirit all right 
and God in the process of that gave us a new heart. Essentially, the real you got changed by God. But God did not change you in the mind. God did not change you in your body as well. All right. And that's the reason why renewing our minds to what God has done is a lifelong exercise, something that we must continue to do to get the benefit of what God has done for us. So, you know, it's book of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. The Bible says, all things appertain to life and godliness. God has already given to us. God has deposited in us. But the Bible also says in that scripture that these things come to us through the knowledge of God and that of Jesus Christ, which means there is a right knowledge of God that you must have in order for you to receive or experience all that God has already done for you in Christ. So even though you are born again and God has done all these beautiful things for you, it's not automatic. In order for you to experience what Christ has done for you, you have to know God the right way. You have to know that these things are yours. You also have to know that there, there are ways in which God has ordained for you to appropriate them. Now, remember, when we talk about appropriating what God has done for you, you are not trying to make God to do them for you. God has already done them for you, but you learn the techniques that God has put in place for you to take advantage of what he has done for you. That's really what we're talking about here. Okay, so all things that pertain to life and godliness all things that could make you be like god and act like god in any situation has already been deposited in you where in your heart in your spirit right it has already been deposited in your heart and your spirit but the bible says these things become your experience these things come into experiential uh, knowledge or this will become um um experiential evidences in your life as you know God the right way. It's very important to know that there is a viewpoint that you must have of God that will change and affect your life. So God wants you to know him the right way. How do you know God? You need to look at what God has said in the Bible, not just in the Bible, in, in line with the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's very important that when you read the Bible, you are not reading it like a book. You read it as, as a question. In light of the fact that Christ has died for me, what does this mean for me now? Now, I'm going to show you an example on how to make that work so that you can see the, 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 the combination. If you go with me to the book of Luke, um, Psalm 119, verse 11, in the Amplified Version, the Bible here says, Your word have I laid in my heart that I may not sin against you. Your word, the word of God, have I laid in my heart that I may not sin against you. Now, the fact that a particular word is in the Bible does not mean it is the word of God. I'll say that again. The fact that a particular word is in the Bible, it does not mean it is the word of God. An example, Job. Job said, God gives and God takes away. It's in the Bible in the book of Job. He gives and, in fact, some people even made a song around it. He gives and takes away. He gives and takes away. But my heart still chooses to say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. That is a song that somebody has crafted out of the book, in the book of Job, based on what Job said when Job was lamenting about his, the loss of his family and his wealth. He was saying, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Right? But that, that word... Those words, those, that statement was not by from God. So if this psalmist says in Psalm 1 verse 11, your word have I hidden, your word have I hidden in my heart, I've laid up your heart, your word in my heart, that I may not sin against you. You have to be careful. What word is he talking about? 
The Father is in the Bible. If you lay, if you lay the word of God, for example, if you lay this word I've just said to you now, the word of Job written in the Bible, if you choose to lay that in your heart, then you will not get what God wants you to get. Uh, let me put that in a different way. Suppose you say, you take, he gives and take away. Oh, God gives and take away. God gives and takes away. God gives and takes away. If you have embraced that thought and allowed to simmer into your heart, you have embraced that thought process. You have made it your own. If you have done that, then what will happen is you are going to go in the wrong direction because you have not laid the word of God in your heart. If you lay the word of God in your heart, you will not sin against God. I'll talk about the sin in a moment, but just stay with me for a moment. If you lay the word of God in your heart, you will not sin against God. If you don't lay the word of God in your heart, you will sin against God. Simple as that. Okay. Now, if you take the word of Job, he gives and takes away. God gives and God takes away. That is the word of Job. That's not the word of God. So if you take that word of Job and lay it in your heart, you are going to sin against God. Okay, I think we got it. But if you lay the word that God speaks, the promises that God has made to you, if you lay that in your heart, you will not sin against God. Okay, thank you so much for understanding that. Now, let's look at the word lay. What does the Bible mean by the word lay in your heart? That word lay is from the Hebrew word, uh, uh, the Hebrew word that means treasure. It's from the Hebrew word that means treasure. So, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. The Hebrew word that was used in the word lay has to do with something that's a treasure, a treasure that you keep somewhere safe, that you don't just leave anywhere that somebody can pick it up. All right? So the Bible is essentially saying, Your words have I treasured in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Okay, all right. So remember, when you lay the word of God in your heart, you will not sin against God. Okay, all right. Let's go back into the text. Psalm 1 verse 11, your word have I laid up in my heart that I may not sin against you. Now, the thing that might be going through your mind is this word sin, what is it talking about? You see, sin here, S-I-N, is from the word kotor, and kotor really means to miss the mark. Okay, so your word have I laid in my heart, your word have I treasured in my heart, so that I would not miss the mark against you. Alright, okay. Now, if I lay the word of Job or the word of somebody else in my heart that is not based on the word of God, I will miss the mark. What does it mean to miss the mark? It means if you are meant to go from point A to point B and you are meant to cover it in, in five minutes, you end up covering it covering is maybe in 20 minutes because you have gone you have gone on a detour, you have gone that past the direction that God did not want you to pass through. I hope you understand that. So missing the mark means you are meant to get to a particular target, but you go in the other direction. It's like if you if you are a uh, uh, if you do archery, you know, like we used to do archery with uh, with children when we were, when we were on uh, the 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 summer youth youth club. And at times you would put the the point, you know, like the the bulls. You want a child to get to the bull's eye in, in the archery, but the, the child pulls the arrow, and by the time the child releases the arrow, the the arrow may go in this other direction away from where you put the range you know where the bullseye is meant to be i hope you understand that so when you put the arrow it goes in different direction you have missed the mark so imagine there's a destiny that god has for you there's a plan that god has for you you are meant to hit the bullseye of that but when you don't lay his word in your heart you will miss the mark you will not hit the bullseye of what god has in store for you 
So how do we ensure that we lay the word of God in our heart? We have to go back and understand the word of God is talking about here. What is the context? So the story I'm going to share with you will help to put things in context for you. How you treasure the word of God in your heart. Your words, your word have I laid in my heart so that I may not miss the mark against you. Here's a story. Imagine you've got two believers. One guy, his name is Tony. The other one, his name is Jay. I've got a story here that I want to talk to you about. So Tony is a hardworking financial analyst for a top investment bank in the city. He's diligent, takes regular professional development exams, and he builds good relationship with colleagues. Recently, there was news going around the circles that the bank has lost a major deal and hence needed to reduce headcount. It is highly likely that his department will be affected by the oncoming crisis. Tony knew the power of words and he made a decision to find the promise of God on being prosperous and being amply supplied for. He then committed to affirm God's truth about the situation very regularly. He confesses provision instead of lack, abundance instead of scarcity. He started saying things like, I'm diligent in my work, so I'm, I'm diligent in my work, so I stand before great people. I'm favored all around. Only the best, the best comes to me. My resources are as far reaching as universe. Praise God. During this time, he never talks about losing his, losing his job or things getting worse. He focuses on the God factor and an assurance that only good is allowed to come to him. He continues to meditate on the goodness of God and chooses to speak the words of life out of his mouth. This is Tony. Let's look at another believer. This guy's name is Jade. Jade is also a hardworking financial analyst in the same bank that Tony works in. He's diligent as well. He takes regular professional development exams and he builds good relationship with colleagues. On hearing the news about potential layoffs, this is what Tony did. He started checking statistics of how many people have lost their jobs in the city in that year alone. And based on the alarming results that he saw, he also realized how difficult it was or it is to get a job. The information he was not exposed to petrified him. And he started saying things like, I'm so afraid I might lose this job. What if I lose this job? How will I take care of my family? The thought was ravaging his mind so much. As he continued this pattern of thought, he started imagining things going wrong. At one time, he even saw a picture of himself carrying placards, looking for a job, almost like a destitute. Remember, now this guy started having pictures of things going wrong. Funny, one time he even had a vivid dream of his house being repossessed. He became anxious, he became jumpy, and his work out, out, output suffers. He decided to pray, but his mind was so filled with the image of fear and things going wrong that his prayer was a prayer of fear. The fear gripped him, him so much that his health ultimately suffers. Now, look at these two believers. They are in the same bank. They are both diligent. They are hardworking. They build good relationship with people. Things that are required to, to succeed in this life. They've got it. But on hearing the news about something that's going to happen, it has not happened yet. One person chooses to focus on the word of God, renew his mind to the word of God, be, began to focus on the goodness of God, on how good God has been, how good God will always be. The other person began to be got so petrified, allowed his mind to build this image of things just going wrong and to, to the point where the health now begins to suffer. Now, the question of God is, these two believers, they're children of God, 
These two believers are loved by God. These two believers, they have the same authority in Christ. These two believers, you know, they have the same right in Christ. They were loved by God. They are loved by God the same way. How come their experiences uh, differ? How come their experiences differ? The reason because of this is very simple. It is because of Tony has an awareness of his position in Christ. And what does he do? He also understands the principles of God and he cooperates with these principles. Jade seems to have forgotten about his identity in Christ, the authority he has, that God did not say we, know, we will not go through problems, but that in any problem that we find ourselves, he will help us to find a way to get out of it. And that but we have a role to play on in how we use our heart and how we use our mouth. To ensure that we can set the pathway for our lives. So, I got a question for you. Of these two believers, which one will you choose to be? Which one will you love to be? I'm assuming you will love to be Tony. But the point that makes the difference for Tony, I'll go back to the passage, uh, what I read before. What totally changed the game for Tony is here. He made a decision. He knew the power of words and he made a decision to find the promises of God on being prosperous and being amply supplied for he then committed he committed he made a committed to committed to do or to affirm to confess the truth about god about the, the truth that god has said about the situation he's not talking about the 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 the, the, the quote and unquote truth or the reality on ground that people are about to lose their job he's not focusing on that He's not denying that either. He's not saying it doesn't exist. He's not, he's not burying his head in the sand like it doesn't exist. That's not what he's doing. He acknowledges truly that people might lose their job, but he chooses to focus on the super abundant God, the God who is the provider, Jehovah Jireh. And because he focuses on Jehovah Jireh, he allowed his mouth now to do his job. He began to confess what he wanted in the situation. Now, this story did not he did not tell us whether he, if he eventually left the job or uh, he got another job. This story didn't tell us that. But what this story tells us is that this person made a choice. He made a choice. He knew the power of words. Made a choice and began to align his words with what God has said in the Bible. What God has declared. That way he's not missing the mark. It might be that in this story, he eventually left the job. Maybe they, they asked him to go. For example, but a new door it immediately opens up for him somewhere else where 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 he just keep having an upward upward spiral in life. But let's even assume that both of them left the job. But Tony is in a good place because his health did not suffer. He's not anxious. The thing that if he the thing that he, the thing that um, he did not want to see did not happen. Essentially, Jade eventually became like Job. When Job said in the book of Job chapter 3, I believe, I believe it's verse 25, when he says, the thing which I feared has happened to me. So Job had the same encounter. Job's life was so beautiful and wonderful from the outside. But Job was living a life riddled with fear. He was so afraid and petrified of losing everything. Ultimately, what happened? He lost it. And he vocalized that in his own in his in, in the Bible when he said, The thing which I feared has happened to me. That which I dreaded has occurred. Which means that which is predominant, the predominant image in the mind of Job was that of losing his family, losing his property, losing everything. And that became a reality in his life. Why? Because 
what your mind is riddled with will produce in your life. In the book of Proverbs chapter 4, Proverbs chapter 4, uh, verse 23 says, Watch over your own heart with all diligence, for from your heart flow what? The springs of life. Bible essentially, your heart is the, your your heart your heart the will you set the direction for which you are going to go. The question now is, if you are a born again Christian, do you have a good heart? One hundred percent, because you have God has given you a new heart. The Bible says, in the book of Jeremiah says, a new heart will I give unto you. That's what God says. So when you became born again, God actually gave you a new heart. God gave you a new spirit, right? So we are meant to. Be, by virtue of the fact that we have the new spirit of Christ in us, we are meant to, you know, have a life that pro- portrays that spirit. Because your your heart determines how your life is going to go. But you see, God gave us a responsibility. Responsibility here. He says, "Watch over your own heart with all diligence." Now, let me ask you a question: How is a person meant to be diligent? A person who is diligent, let's even play it in the natural. A person who is diligent will not sleep till ten o'clock in the morning. If you are diligent at your work and work starts at nine. And you start to wake up at 10 o'clock then you're not diligent sooner or later they're going to fire you why because you don't show up at work when you're meant to show up at work you know that means you are not diligent you are not doing you are not doing the things you are meant to do when you're meant to do them you're not diligent ultimately when you're not diligent what's going to happen you're going to lose Bible says you watch over your own heart with all diligence which means it is your responsibility to guard your heart from conversations messages uh, and, 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 uh, and news news that you hear that essentially send you in the other direction from what God wants from you. It is your responsibility, responsibility to keep your heart from missing the mark. Because the heart, your heart, even though God is giving you a new heart, that heart is malleable. It is malleable by what you are constantly exposed to. So if you expose your heart to the word of God, to what God has said to you, it will produce that result in your life. If you expose your heart to the other direction, it will also produce that other direction in your life as well. So God has given us a responsibility here where he says, listen, if you want to know, if you want your life to go in the direction that you want, you have a, you have something to do about it. And what do you have to do about it? First, guard your heart. Prevent your heart from being exposed to things that will bring fear into it, that will bring anxiety into it, that will bring calamity into it, that will bring things that you don't want into it. So you are responsible for how you choose what you pay attention to all right okay so let's go back to the text let's go back to the text so we see here now that we need to treasure the word of god in our heart so your word have i laid in my heart so that because i will not sin against you which word is it the word of job or the word of moses or the word of anybody who has a face calamitous whatever or they have uttered words out of their mouth that are not based on the truth of god's word or the word that jesus christ has spoken I guess the answer is the word that Jesus Christ has spoken is what you should, you should fill your heart with. That's what God expects you to do. That's what God expects to you. So look at Psalm 119 verse 62. The Bible says, Psalm 119 verse 62, the Bible says, I rejoice, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. So the word of God should cause you to be happy because it's like you finding treasure. It's like you win, you know, Euro million lottery. You, you, you let's say for example you play, you play the lottery and you win, let's say hundred million dollars. You know, all of a sudden you're going to be get excited. You probably won't be able to sleep at night. You know, if that's obviously big money, you know, that you haven't earned before in your life. It's like man, you probably won't be able to sleep at night. It's like something that's it's treasure. It's a treasure for you that you pay attention to, right? God is saying to you, when this psalmist here is saying, when you find the word of God for your situation, you keep it like a treasure. Now, how do you, where do you keep treasure? You don't keep it in your garden and let anybody anybody come and pick it up. 
or do you put it on the shelf in your house and anybody where anybody can have access to it no i don't think so i think when you have something that is tre that's a treasure you keep it in a safe you keep it somewhere not, where nobody can come in and vandalize it god says treat my word like that treasure that nobody can come in and vandalize it but when you when, where do you keep this word as as a treasure where there's only one safe place in your heart in your heart is where you keep the word of god as a treasure in your own heart in your own heart you keep the word of god as a treasure you need to first of all understand is this word of god is a treasure and i have to keep it in my heart as as what as a treasure that i keep from vandalism from anybody from stealing it are you with me all right now let's go to book of proverbs chapter 4 proverbs chapter 4 verses 20 to 23 i want to show you how you keep the word of god in your heart like a treasure go with me it's going to be on the screen now proverbs chapter 4 verse 20 to 23 do not let them actually listen to them. verse 20 says my son pay attention to my words and be willing to learn open your ears to my saying let's stop there pay attention how do you pay attention if i have the book like this how do you pay attention i'll read it i keep it constantly in my, in my front in my eyesight i read it that's pay attention if you are in class and the teacher is teaching you something and you get it, you are distracted you're looking everywhere you're not paying attention if it's time for for doing the exam time and they ask you a question you say oh i don't know it when did, when did we teach this again because you were not paying attention if you're paying attention you will know what what is what was said in class you know when it was said in fact you might even know the exact time that the teacher said what he said you might even know the exact time when that happens, right? Okay, so essentially what we're saying here is God is saying, pay attention to my words. Don't read the word of God like a novel and, and just skim it. Read it so that you can understand it. Read it so that you can understand what God is trying to tell you. Right? That's what God is saying to you. Pay attention to my words and be willing to learn. What does it mean to be willing to learn? It means that when God says to you, make a, make a U-turn, make a direction, you are willing to take that action because you are obeying what he said. My son, pay attention to my words and be willing to learn. Then he says, open your ears to my sayings. Don't just look at my word. Let it go through your eardrums so that you can hear what I'm saying. Essentially, God is saying, take a moment and pay attention. When I speak, listen to what I have got to say with the intent of you obeying and carrying out the instruction that we will give you. So, we need to focus our physical mind, our sorry, our physical attention, whether it's our eyesight or, or our senses, and also our mind to what God has said. Now, the what what kind of words are we meant to pay attention to under the new covenant? Is it is we need to pay attention to what's like the words that that tells us about the authority that we have in Jesus about the work of faith that God has called us into, about our, ident our identity in Christ, and so on and so forth. You therefore should approach life from this premise. You must approach life from this premise. So, and when you want to do anything, ask yourself the question, in light of what Christ has done for me, in light of, in light of my new identity in Christ, what does this mean? How that makes sense? Let's go to verse 21. Do not let them escape from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart. What what the word them there? What is he referring to? Well, the only way to know is to go back to what he said before. My son, pay attention to my words and be willing to learn. Open your ears to my sayings. 
do not let them escape from your sight. So the them there could either refer to the words that God is saying or the sayings of God. Okay? Whichever way, don't allow the word of God or the sayings of God to escape from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart. Don't allow them to escape. Which means it's possible for them to escape. It's possible for you to hear the word of God, get excited in church, and you get home, you can't remember what you learned. You can't remember what you learned. You can't remember the, even the scripture that was quoted. That word has escaped from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart. Even if let's say you cannot quote the scripture that was shared, you should be able to remember, remember the topic or at least some things in, the, in this message should jump at you, should, should be something that you say, oh, this is what I learned last week. Because you are putting them to use in your own life, right? But if you cannot remember, that means the word is escaping you. The word is escaping you. I mean, the word is escaping you. Mm, it's dangerous ground because you, know, you cannot remember. Therefore, because you cannot remember, you cannot put to use what you've learned. So the Bible says, do not let this my word escape from your sight. Do not let this my word escape from your heart. Keep them in the center of your heart. Why do you need to keep them in the center of your heart? Because the word of God or the words of God are life to them who find them. So when you find the word of God for your situation, it produces life. When you find the word of God for the situation, you might find yourself, it might be anxiety, it might be fear, it might be uh, lack of money, it might be sickness, whatever it is. When you find the word of God for distance, keep them in your heart because these words of God will produce life in you. This word of God will produce life in you. And also, the Bible says, it and it will produce healing to all of your flesh. So God is saying to you, God is saying to you here, when you have found the word of God for the situation that you believe God for, that word of God will produce life in you. It will produce life in you to produce healing or health for you. How does that work? How does that work? Well, this again follows the principle in the book of Genesis chapter 1, the end the Bible says, every seed produces after its kind. So how does the word of God become life to you? Very simple. Jesus Christ said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life, which means the words of Jesus spoken to you is those words are filled with the life of God himself. And because God himself is a spirit, therefore the word of God or the word of God is a spirit. The word of God is spiritual. Okay. So when Jesus Christ said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and life, is saying my words carry spiritual essence that produces life, that produces the life of God in you. Because every seed produces after its kind now. Since the word of God is spirit and is life, it means that based on the law of every seed producing after its kind, it means the word of God, when you find it, you have found spirit and life. Okay. And that's the reason why when you find the word of God, they become life to you. Based on this Proverbs 4 verse 22. Because this, the word of God is spirit and life. When you find the word of God, it is life to you. It is spirit to you. Okay? And because it's spirit to you and life to you, it also produces healing or health to your flesh. 
So the word of God is so powerful, it can change your life. The word of God is so powerful, it can heal your body. The word of God is so powerful, it can change your life completely. So now, the Bible here says, watch over your own heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. So how do you keep the word of God at the core of your heart, at the center of your heart? The answer is very simple, through intentional focus on the word of God. To be intentionally focusing on the word of God. Why? Because the word of God that you focus on will permeate your heart. And that which permeates your heart also changes your life. It brings life to your body. It brings healing to your to your body. Praise God. So, when we focus on the word of God, we are performing what the Bible calls meditation. Meditation essentially means you take the word of God. You put yourself inside the word of God and said, and say, if this is real in my life, how is it going to look like? And you allow the word of God now to paint pictures in your heart over and over and over and over. Now, how do you know meditation uh, change, will change your life? Is that when you meditate over something and it changes the way you feel, then that thing has rewritten the, 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 the itself into your heart. Let me say that in a different way. Everything that you are exposed to in your heart, you learn by repetition. You learn by being exposed to it, right? So the more you are exposed to negative words, the more that will influence your life. The more you are exposed to positive words, the more that will influence your life. Okay, but if you might find yourself in a situation where uh, the word of God and the word that you have been speaking, you know, the, and the what that you are experiencing, what, what you are experiencing in your life seem to be different from what you think you should be experiencing. And the question you should ask yourself is, how did you get here? How did you get to this point where you are? And the answer is very simple. If you find the word of God in the situation where you find yourself, it will change your life. And so the way to find the word of God is to look in the word and say, if this is true in my life, how is it going to look like? And allow yourself to project yourself into that situation and when you see yourself in that situation in the future and it changes the way you feel that word has rewritten itself into the dna of your of, of your body that's actually what what i'm trying to say so essentially the word of god that you focus on is the same word of god that permeates your heart and when the word of god permeates your heart it will produce life in you so, and how to permit your heart, how the world can permit your heart is through meditation. And meditation is nothing but thinking over, pondering over and over and over on a particular scripture. Look at it and say, what does this mean? How will it work in my life? How, how is this going to change my life? When you begin to ask those questions in your heart about the word of God that you are reading and how you can apply it to your life, you're meditating on that word. It will change your life completely. Hallelujah. So, Psalm 19 verse 11 says, Your word have I laid up in my heart that I may not sin against you, so that I may not miss the mark against you. And I said, I began to think about this word, sin. Is there on any way in which uh, I can sin against God, I can miss the mark in the, under the new covenant? I found the answer. In James chapter 3 verse 2, the Bible says, For in many things we all offend. If any man offend, offend not in word. The same is a perfect man and able also to breathe you the whole body. The Bible here essentially says there is a way in which you can offend. But if you don't offend in your word, then you are perfect. You are a perfect person. Okay. Let's look at some definition so that we can get this in context. 
the first word i want to talk about is the word offend this word offend has the same meaning of to sin that we have sinned we also uh, we have seen in psalm 19 verse 11 psalm 19 verse 11 says your word have i hidden in my heart your word have i laid up and treasured in my heart so that i may not miss the mark against you that that word miss the mark is sin in this text right but if you go to james 3 2 that word is the word offend the bible says you can offend many you can go astray in many but if you don't offend the word if you don't miss the mark in, in the in the word that you speak out of your mouth then you have become a perfect person so the Greek word for the word to sin is a Greek. It's all the Greek word for the word. Uh, the Greek word equivalent of the word to sin, which is the word offend in English, is the word tayo. And tayo has the following meaning: number one, to cause one to stumble or fall; number two, to stumble; number three, to err, to make a mistake, and to sin. Sister, and then and then another one is to fall into misery or to become wretched. So the Bible essentially is saying, if you don't get offended, if you don't miss the mark in the words you speak, you become what? A perfect person. Okay. Now, the word perfect in this text is not talking about someone that has no mistake, someone that is not, uh, that is not running into a problem. This word perfect here is from the Greek word teleos. And what it means is totally finished, nothing, net, nothing else to add. This thing has come to uh, the fulfillment of what is meant to be. It's complete. Alright, so the Bible essentially is saying, when you are choosing the Word of God, when you choose to align your mouth, align with the Word of God, right, you will become perfect. When you begin to align yourself, not to be off, not to, uh, off, not to, not to offend by the what you speak, right, what will happen essentially is that you become perfect. You become perfect. So essentially, your words can put your life in the way you should go. Your words can put your life in the other direction. And the choice is up to you to make. So the word teleos here, by the way, is the same Greek word that Jesus Christ used when he said, it is finished on the cross. So when he said it is finished, it means there's nothing more, there's no other sacrifice left to be done. The reason why Christ had to die has been fulfilled, is complete, nothing more to add to it. The Greek word actually has something that says to be brought to its end or to finish or to, to want nothing more, necessary to completeness. So now if you take this text now, you bring it back into this, this meaning, back it back into the text that says, for in many things we offend, in many things we all offend. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. If you bring this meaning of offend, which is uh, to sin, and and uh, and um, uh, and and which is uh, which means to 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 become wretched or to fall into mystery. If you take that meaning and also the meaning of perfect, which means to come into fullness, to want nothing else to be done, to be brought into your intended hand or purpose. What you are going to get in this meaning is what I have paraphrased. It will go like this. For in many things we all stumble or make a mistake or fall into misery. In many things, things can happen in our lives that might make us fall into mistake. We might make, we might make mistake in our in making a deal with somebody. We might make mistake in different ways. But the Bible here says, if any man does not become wretched or fall into misery by his own word, if your word, the words you speak out of your mouth, do not make you wretched or do not make you to fall into mystery, then the Bible says the same man is complete. That and I mean that means the same man has brought himself or us or I mean, the same man has brought himself or herself. No, the same man has brought himself to his own intended purpose um, or, or end. So what this essentially is saying is, 
to be perfect the way God wants you to be perfect. Please try and understand it's not talking about your spiritual perfection because in the eyes of God, you are 100% perfect. But how do you bring to an inspiration knowledge what is already true in your spirit? The Bible here is very clear. It says, when you don't offend in word, you become perfect. Is it talking about perfect in the spirit or is it talking about perfect that you experience in your day-to-day life? It's talking about perfect that you experience in your day-to-day life because perfect in the spirit is already done. It has nothing to do with you. It's already done 100% was bought, purchased by the blood of Jesus. But the perfection of how your life becomes perfect in the experiences you experience on this earth is based on the word of your mouth. If you can make sure your mouth does its job, then the Bible here says, it, your, those words you are speaking, speaking constantly out of your mouth will build your life up to the point where you are lacking nothing. And that is powerful. Hallelujah. So from here we see that your word will set your life in the direction that you should go. And this is what confession does for you. Confession works on your heart to produce a result that will show up in your life. This truth in James 3 2 is mimicked basically based on what Christ says in Matthew 12 37. Jesus Christ says, For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. I've said in church before that the word justified is the word righteous, and it means as it ought to be. So actually, he said, By your words you will set your life the way it ought to be, and by your words you'll be condemned. Your condemned there is to be guilty, you know, to, to put something down. So the Bible is essentially saying your words will put you down or your words will lift you up. So your, your words are important. What you say out of your mouth is important. Now let's look at how this words then, this words, this confession then link up to the heart. You know, how it changes your heart. You know, I shared before in Proverbs chapter 15 verse 4, the Bible here says kind words bring life. Cruel words crush your spirit or crush your heart. Which means if you want to crush your heart, the fastest way to crush your heart is to keep telling yourself, I'm unworthy, I'm useless, I'm a nobody, nothing good is happening for me. Begin to say those words out of your mouth. That's one of the fastest ways in which you can crush your own heart. So cruel words will crush your own heart. Kind words will bring life to your own life. So when you start saying to yourself, I'm blessed and highly favored, things always work for me. Lives are falling to me in pleasant places. I'm getting better and better. I'm getting better and better. Great things are happening for me. Great things are spoken of about me. When you begin to speak words like that, what are you doing? You are bringing life to your own body. You are ensuring that the experience you are going to get will be based on what uh, God has already ordained for you to get. James chapter 1 verse 26 says, if anyone among you think is religious, does not bridge his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this wants to be John is useless. The Bible essentially is saying, if you don't control your tongue, your tongue will deceive your heart. If you don't control your tongue, if you don't bridle your tongue, if you don't hold your tongue in place, that tongue that you don't hold in place will deceive your own heart. Not the heart of another person, to deceive your own heart first. Now, Here's the thing. It then says here, your religion is useless. Essentially, it's talking about the fact that your faith becomes useless when you cannot control your tongue. When you cannot control your tongue, it's going to move and affect your heart. Once it affects your heart negatively, what will happen? Then your faith becomes useless. 
Now, the Bible essentially has told us in the book of uh, 1 John that our faith in the Lord Jesus is what overcomes the world. So if faith is an overcoming influence of this world, if, if faith is what makes it to overcome in this world, but this faith can be made useless by your heart, and your heart is made useless by the words you speak out of your mouth, it goes therefore without saying that it is important for me, in order for me to have victory in this life, I must master the art of speaking the words of God, the right words out of my mouth. I'll say this in a different way. The Bible says it is our faith that overcomes the world. Our faith overcomes the world. So faith is an overcoming influence or is the overcoming influence of, of, of God in this world. In order for you to, 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 to overcome, you have to have faith. Faith is the, um, in the, is the ingredient of champions. Faith is a tool that you can use to win in this life, right? So faith gives you victory. But your faith that gives you victory can become useless when your heart is deceived. When your heart is deceived. How, how would your heart become deceived? Bible says if you don't breathe your tongue, if you don't hold your tongue in check, if you don't control the words you speak. So essentially, if you don't control the words you speak, those words that you, you speak that are not good for your heart will deceive your heart. And once your heart becomes deceived, then your faith becomes useless. If your faith becomes useless, then what will happen? You do not have the faith that can overcome challenges of life. So therefore, to have a powerful faith life that will enjoy the benefit of the kingdom, I must choose to do my words very, very carefully. Proverbs 17 to 20, in chapter 17 verse 20 says, a person that has a forward heart findeth no good, and either had a perverse tongue falleth into mischief. What is he saying is that if your heart is deceived, your faith becomes useless, right? Okay. But if you have a forward heart, if you have a heart that is permissive, a heart that is not focused on the goodness of God, that heart cannot find good. Even when good shows up in your death doorstep and you are meant to embrace it. That heart will push the good away. Why? Because a forward heart is a heart that has been deceived. A forward heart is a heart that has been deceived. And because it has been deceived, it can only produce deception. Your heart has been deceived. And therefore, because it has been deceived, it will not produce um, anything that is good. But that is not your portion. That's not your portion. God, God doesn't want you to produce results that are inimical to your growth. Okay, so what did God say about this matter? Well, God says first, your heart determines how your life shapes up. Your life, your heart determines how your life shapes up. So, your heart can be trained, but we start from what? The words that you speak out of your mouth. And those words that you speak out of your mouth will be used as the trainer for your heart. Okay? So, what are the words that you should not, you should learn from today not to say? Let's, um, let me show you an, some example how this was when spoken will change your heart, will deceive your heart. Once your heart is deceived, you can't expect you can't expect any good. Right? Number one. I am sick of this job. When you keep saying, I'm sick of this job, I'm sick of this job, what are you focusing on? I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick. So scrap that. 
the Lord gives and take away, I've explained that. Don't ever say those words. Don't ever say those words. In fact, if you hear that song, throw it away. I remember many years ago, you know, I was in Bulgaria and these songs floated into my subconsciousness. And as I started to sing it, I just felt very funny. I was singing, I had a check, so I stopped. The next morning, I started the song. The song, the song came again, floated into my subconscious mind as I was kind of brushing my teeth. And it was, I started thinking about the song. The song just floated up again. So what is this again? I stopped, and then the Holy Spirit told me, said something. He said, "Who said that? Who said that? Go and find out the meaning. Who said this word?" So I went back and found it was the word that was said by Job. And God said to me, "I did not say those words." If you say these words and you believe them because it will change the pictures of your heart, you are going to expect evil. Which means if something bad happens to you, you don't have, you are not going to have the power to fight because you will say, "Well, God gives and God takes away." Now, do you see how ridiculous? Or I mean, not ridiculous. How dangerous it could be? How dangerous it could be when we begin to expose our heart to believe the words that are not right? Because those words, they they, they will write in your heart. The words that I speak, they are spirit and life. What are spiritual force that will be written into your heart? There is no such thing as, oh, I'm just winging it. These words will not matter. It will not affect me. No. If you expose yourself to negative words, it's going to affect your heart. And when your heart becomes affected, Romans chapter 4 verse 23 says, your life goes in the direction of your what? Of your heart. So if your heart gets gets affected, you cannot produce substance. Um, you cannot produce results that will make change in this life. I hope that is making sense. So don't say ah, 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 God gives and God takes away. Don't also say God is using this affliction to test me. No, the Bible says God does not test anyone with evil. God does not do evil. Neither does He test anyone with evil. That's what the Bible teaches. So don't say well, God is using this affliction, affliction to test me. If you say that, you expose yourself to the onslaught of the enemy. Another thing you should not say is, when I turn 40, my bones start to crack. When you say those words, you think, oh, I'm just joking. You're not joking. Your mind doesn't know that you're joking. Your heart doesn't know that you're joking. Your heart listens to every command you say and just goes ahead to action it. So if you say, oh, my bones, are, my bones start to cry when I turn 40, guess what you're doing? You're saying, you are causing yourself to say, listen, I'm going to grow so old, my bones are going to be wrinkly, my bones are going to be cracky, I'm going to be able to stand up. But you are the one who is saying those words out of your mouth. God didn't say that. It's not in the Bible that says when you turn 40, your bones begin to crack. Was it? It's not. Where do you, where do you get that kind of information from? From some random people. Just people just say stuff. Right? Another way you should not say is, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. What does that mean, I'm dead serious? It means you're saying, I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. Now, let me show you something about I am. You see, the word I am, it means I am, I am that I am. The word I am is, so be it. So be it. Or amen. Or you, you put uh, a backup on the back of, on the back of I am. So if you say, I am confused. I'm so confused. You're saying, confusion come, confusion come, confusion come, confusion come. You see, if you don't know something, the worst thing you could say is to say, I'm confused. Just say, I may not know right now, but my spirit knows. So answers are coming to me in the name of Jesus. Just say that. Just say, I'm so confused. I'm afraid things will not work. I'm afraid things will not work. So when you say, I'm afraid things will not work, what are you saying? You are saying, I am afraid, I'm afraid. You are calling fear into your own life. You are calling fear into your life. And God doesn't want you to do that. But what about, I'm worried about so, so, and so. What are you doing? You are, you are conditioning your heart, training your heart to focus on worry. Remember, the law of the seed. Every seed produces after its kind. If you say these words over your heart so much, it will produce after its kind. Your heart will produce after the kind of the seed that you have planted in it. 
no other way no other way so don't say oh this this these things are not good things are not working for me when you keep saying that you are training your heart to expect things not to work for you so these words negative words that we speak will mess us up big time Jesus Christ says this in Luke chapter 6 verse 45 he says a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart and an evil person produces evil thing from the treasury of an evil heart what you say flow flows from what is in your heart God essentially is saying the what you speak the what you speak come from the overflow of your heart which means the picture that you have written your heart with will ultimately come out out of your mouth and then it becomes a cycle over and over and over again so two key things two key things are crucial to ensure that your heart flows with good things number one the words you speak number two the words you meditate upon the words you meditate upon so let me give you an example if somebody says to you oh the market is going down let's say for example there's a financial crisis in the uk or so 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 the media says anyway this financial crisis and you allow your heart to be so filled with so much fear like losing your job not having money and so on and so forth guess what's going to happen those words that you are saying oh things are so hard things are so hard economy is this economy those words you're saying guess what they are doing those words are going into your into your outer ears go to your inner ears and create pictures of lack fear anxiety in your heart here in your heart here and when those words come into your heart sorry when those words come into your heart guess what will happen right it will create pictures there it will create pictures of anxiety picture of lack picture of things not working in your heart that's what will happen and when those things when those pictures are in your heart what do you think is going to happen what do you think is going to happen your your heart because that's what it has been exposed to will produce after his kind that's why you see people say, oh, I say but that guy's a child how come things are happening well what have you exposed your heart to what are you believing god for what is the predominant state of your heart are you always fearful are you always afraid that things will not go well it's because you have exposed yourself you have exposed yourself you have allowed your heart to meditate on the worst case possible and when you meditate on the worst case possible you are going to get what the worst case possible and it's not because god is doing anything evil god doesn't do evil for you it's because you have brought them upon yourself so today from today learn there is no such thing as flippant words have you ever heard jesus say any of the words that people are saying around you he will never say that so what why are you saying it why are you saying what that just christ will not say why are you allowing yourself to create into your own life things that will not work for you it doesn't make any sense does it does it all right, I'm about to round up because of time. Here's something that I shared in church on two, I think two, two, two Wednesdays ago. I said something here, and this will really help you. I said, if Jesus Christ were to come into your house, he lay his hands upon you and say, son or daughter, from this day forward, whatever you say out of your mouth, you are going to get. It will come to pass. What will you say? I want you to think about that. What will you say? What will you say? You know, we had so much fun in church on Wednesday that somebody was saying, Oh, that two, 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 two Wednesdays ago when we did this. Somebody said, Oops, that means I should not say anything I don't want. That's exactly it. That's exactly what we're saying. If God told you, whatever you say from today, you are going to get, what were you going to say? You are going to start to call those things that you want into your life. That's what you will do. Is that not correct? That's what you will do, right? That's what you will do. You will not say, you will not start saying, you not allow, you not allow your vocabulary to be the vocabulary of death. You start saying, saying, you start to say those things that you want. That's exactly what you are going to do. 
You start to say, you, you start to say, I am blessed, I'm healthy, I'm rich, I'm prosperous. You know, things life are like wonderful life is mine to enjoy. My children are blessed. You start to say things that you want, right? Because you know they are gonna to come to pass. Well, you know what? In the Bible, Mark 11, 23 to 24 is exactly that. He says you are going to get what you say. He says you're going to get what you say. So essentially, God essentially is saying to you, whatever you vocalize out of your mouth is exactly what you are going to get. So you need to pay attention that what you speak will produce after your after his own kind. The what you say will produce after his kind. This guy is saying to you, what you say is what you're going to get. Now, Mark 11, 23 to 24 says, if you don't doubt, you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And you don't doubt in your heart, it shall be. And you believe that what you have said will come to pass. You shall have what you say. Because of this, he said, when you pray, believe you have received, then you are going to get. Right? So, you know that word is exactly like if Jesus Christ is standing right here with you now and lay his hands upon you and say, son, you are going to have what you say. It is the word of God that you are reading is not different. The words that Jesus Christ has said to you in the Bible is not different as if Christ was physically standing beside you and saying, you are going to get what you say. And that's the reason why you must take this consciousness and say, I will have what I say in the name of Jesus. All right, my time is up. You know, I feel like going on with this. I'm going to come back to this scenario about Jesus because I really think I should hone in on it because it's going to really help you. All right. Okay. Now, as Randall, as Randall, I want you to know that life will happen for you, to you and all around you based on what? What the words you have spoken out of your mouth and the, the predominant thought in your heart, the image you hold in your heart and the words you speak out of your mouth will manifest in your future. There's no other way around it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So as we go now, I want you to carry a consciousness that life is happening for you in the name of Jesus. Say with me, life is happening for me in the name of Jesus. Abundant life of God, abundant life of God is for me to have is for me to enjoy is for me to share with others in the name of jesus say with me i am blessed and highly favored in the name of jesus praise god forevermore father we just want to thank you for today thank you for your mercy your grace your goodness your kindness as we go today lord we thank you that we are dispersing now with the mindset of conquerors of winners in the name of jesus christ thank you heavenly father in jesus name we pray amen thank you for worshiping with us we hope you enjoyed the sermon. We were blessed to have you. We hope to see you again on Wednesday for midweek service at 6 p.m. UK time, morning prayers every Saturday at 6 a.m. UK time, and Sunday service at 8 a.m. UK time. The replay for today's service will premiere on YouTube at 10 a.m. UK time. For love offering, kindly use the bank details on your screen, or you can scan the QR code on your screen to give via PayPal. We invite you to join our monthly Practicality of Grace series every first Wednesday of the month. The series features discussions with guests who take your questions and show you how to practically apply God's grace in different areas of your life. You can send your anonymous questions to the live chat on the website at www.thelighthouse.org. That is www.thelighthouse.org. Or you can send an email to lights at thelighthouse.org
Would you like us to pray with you? Kindly click the link that pops up in the live chat and fill the form or you can visit our website at www.thelightshouse.org and fill the request form. You can now book a counseling or prayer session with Pastor Davis on Calendly. Visit the link on the website or in the description box and follow the instructions to book a session. Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and TikTok on the username that is displayed on the screen. Don't forget to comment, like and share our messages. Until next time, remain in your identity in Christ Jesus. Criminals may purport to be from the Lighthouse Church or working for Pastor Davis Bamiboye, using our official branding or names on websites, social media posts, literature, on the phone or by text. Please note that the Lighthouse Church or Pastor Davis Bamiboye doesn't provide endorsement or approval for any products and services and would never call or text anyone to join any Zoom call or be part of any promotion or solicit for funds. If you have been approached by anyone claiming to work with the Lights House or Pastor David Bamiboye or any of our affiliated brands, Concepts World Academy, Concepts World Digital, May 6th Store, the Lights House Academy, Metamorphor, DavisBamiboye.com, Rhythms of Grace, and Project Delivery Coaching, please know that this is a scam. Thank you. Oh